In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. This is Cruise Radio, a special edition. Costa Concordia, tragedy in the Mediterranean. Hey, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. If you're a first-time listener, check us out online at cruiseradio.net. I was out Friday night, got the Facebook alert, and uh, there you had the story right up there before. Uh, I, 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 that was the first time I had seen it. And you know what? I saw it randomly on Twitter, just someone saying, oh my gosh, a cruise ship ran aground. But I thought it was like nothing, like it hit a sandbar. I had no, no clue it was going to have like, such grave consequences. Yeah, it is a huge story. And so we're very lucky to have one of the passengers from the Costa Concordia who's going to talk with us about that whole night. But first, Stuart you're on the cruise, guys, here, America's most quoted cruise expert, a contributor to ABC's Good Morning America, CNBC, CNN, and Fox Business. Before we talk to Stuart, there was a press conference earlier today with the chairman and CEO of Costa Cruises, Pierre Fauci. Do you have any explanation for why the captain changed the ship's course? Yes, the explanation is that he wanted to show the ship to nearby this island of Giglio, and so he decided to change the course of the ship to go closer to the island and pass through in front of the little city that sits in that island. This is what he wanted to do. Stuart, is it common for captains to deviate from the course? No, because the courses are preset and loaded into the computer uh, based on weather conditions. It's kind of like a a flight plan where the plane was supposed to go from A to B and it kind of deviates because of certain conditions that may arise. In this case, the captain went way off course. He was anywhere from two to four miles uh, off course. And, you know, there's all kinds of speculation as to what he was actually doing. Um, and, you know, of course, those will come out. The truth will come out, uh, you know, when they have more time to review the black box, to review the, the entire matter, and, uh, and also the, uh, the, the, the tapes to find out what really was the main reason for uh, the captain to deviate from the course. And for the folks who are listening, the ship was actually heading up the northern coast of Italy between the mainland and an island, right? Yes, it was, it was actually it was heading north um, you know, between uh, you know, the mainland Italy. Uh, it had just left uh, Civitavecchia, which is a port for Rome, and it was on its way to Savonia, which is uh, one of the ports for Genoa. So how far is that island off the coast of Italy, do you know? No, I, I, I don't recall. It's, it's not far. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, uh, but uh, in this case, you know, he, you know, there's been all kinds of reports. Um, the, uh, probably the most realistic one is that uh, the, the rock formation, it wasn't a reef, the rock formation, underground water rock formation that he struck was just east-southeast of the island, and it get, you know, put a 160-foot gash into the port side, the left side, of the ship as it was going north, and in order to attempt to save the ship, the captain actually turned the ship around 180 degrees, headed south. And you know the reason that you know the pictures that we've seen are of the ship, you know, resting like really close to the town. And what the captain was trying to do was essentially he was trying to get the ship in in the shallow water, beach it, yeah, and, and essentially beach the ship uh, to help uh, you know save lives. Well, I have one for you. Passengers claimed that this may be true that there was no lifeboat drill before the boat. Before the ship left Chivichivecchia, is that the case? Because I know, like in the U.S., it's always like right before departure. Well, that that is a very good question, and and to better understand it, Doug, what a lot of cruise lines doing, Costa does it, uh, Royal Caribbean and uh, NCL is actually going to be doing it this summer, 
where you actually can begin your cruise in um, different uh, on the same ship in different European ports. As an example, this ship left Civitavecchia on its way for a seven-night cruise. The next port of call was Savonia, which is the port, you know, one of the ports for Genoa. And Savonia is another um, port where they pick up uh, cruise passengers. So the ship left Civitavecchia on Friday. It was going to pick up another round of passengers and left and leave the uh, the other passengers that got on in Savonia the previous week, and then they were going to be doing the lifeboat drill on Saturday afternoon uh, before the ship departed. So this way, the the passengers that began their seven day cruise in Rome would have the lifeboat drill along with the passengers that got on in Savonia, and this way they only have to do the lifeboat drill once a week. All right, what impact is this going to have on the cruise industry? Well, I think what it's really it's going to do is, you know, some people that may not have cruised before may have second guesses um, and questions about whether or not they want to do it, but you know, they need people to reassure them, which is one of the re- you know, one of the many reasons to listen to shows like Cruise Radio because I mean, cruising is still the, you know, one of the absolute uh, safest vacation options available in the world today. Now keep in mind, since 1990, more than 190 million people worldwide have gone on a cruise without any major incident. There's nothing in the world that can compare to the safety record that the cruise industry has. Do you think this event is going to affect cruise pricing? Well, cruise pricing right now, Doug, is really you know at a, in a very good place. Yeah, it's very healthy. The prices are higher, and you know here we are into the you know the, what the second week of of the year, third week of the year. Um, and you know the we're into what you know is called wave season, which is you know part of the peak booking period of of the whole calendar year, and you know we really haven't seen any worthwhile sales. I mean, no one's really none of, none of the cruise lines are dro- are, are offering drop dead you know pricing, um, you know air inclusives, you know significant shore excursion, um, significant shipboard credits like we've seen in the past. Uh, I mean, there really aren't you know any fantastic offers. Why? Because the ships are are sailing. And they're selling full, which is a, a very good indicator about what you know 2012 could be uh, for the in, for the industry. Do you feel safe cruising on Costa? Stuart? I would cruise on Costa tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I would have absolutely no reservation, and anyone you know that was uh, contemplating sailing on Costa or any cruise ship for that matter, uh, I, I would take my family uh, tomorrow. You know, my two beautiful kids and my wife, and I would go, and I would feel 100% safe in the captain, the ship, and, and the cruise line I was sailing on. All right, thanks, Stuart. Up next, a passenger from the Costa Concordia, Ian Dunoff. This is Cruise Radio. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. 
it's not just a good idea to have travel insurance during the winter months or hurricane season. Every travel agent or travel expert we talk to says it is a very smart idea to always travel with travel insurance. That's why you should check the folks out at TripInsurance.com. They have exclusive products from the leading travel insurers that you won't find anywhere else. Yeah, they are the low-cost leader in travel insurance with savings up to 40% or more when you compare similar coverage from other sources. What plan do you want to go with? Good, better, or best? They have coverage in all three categories that make it easy to find the right insurance plan for your budget. You know what defines great customer service? Actually being able to talk to a human being, and they do that at TripInsurance.com. They are committed to great customer service with 24-7 telephone support before, during, and after your trip. You can also file claims online right on their website, and they keep you posted of any travel alerts that could affect your travels or safety at your destination. Check them out right now. TripInsurance.com. Have a question for the experts, or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Ian Donoff from Southwest London was a passenger aboard the Costa Concordia, and we're very lucky to have him with us now. Thank you so much for being with us on Cruise Radio, Ian, and uh, appreciate you sharing your story. First of all, who, who were you with on that cruise? Janice and I were on our honeymoon. It's the second time around for us. My late wife died some four years ago, and I met a lovely lady, a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, we, and we, in fact, um, you know, went on this cruise as if she wanted something that I didn't do. We go abroad quite often, but I hadn't cruised before. Oh, I usually get wow. fairly seasick on small boats, but she said, no problem with a large boat like this. <laughs> all right, so tell us all about what happened that evening. Yeah what, it, what, what, yeah, what it was, was um, no, some people actually were still having dinner. We went to, in fact, uh, we were offered a, a, a meal at one of their more exclusive eating uh, locations, uh, where, in fact, we're only, you know, sitting next to the captains. The captain was having a meal there. But um, we then finished early, and they had a, some sort of uh, show. Um, it was a magician show. Uh, quite a well-known magician in Italy or whatever it was was doing right. a show. And in, the, in, in, in the big auditorium, which can seat about 2,000 people, a um, quarter of an hour in, that's 9.45 in the evening, he came up, he did a very good introduction for a few ten minutes, went down into the audience to get somebody to help him, probably going to sever his body in half or something like that, <laughs> and then he disappeared. I mean, he did, this wasn't magic. Right. He just disappeared. He heard the crunch noise that I heard, that the lights went out and emergency lights went on, and people at that lower deck then rushed out to back to their rooms pretty quickly. There was a, a, a um, an announcement on the tannoy saying that it was a generator fault. The captain advised generator fault. There's no need to panic. Generator fault's no problem, you know. But then I saw more and more people leaving the auditorium and that the mixer desk and everything, no power to it. I said, you know, they're going to get this going to be ages. Let's go back. As we were going back, we saw people sort of poking out of their staterooms and deciding should they put on their life jackets and this sort of thing? So we thought, well, perhaps we should go into our, our room and, and put on our life jackets. And as we were doing so, in the emer- just a single emergency light that there is um, that we could make out, we thought, well, hold on a minute. Whatever we do, we're going to go outside on an outer deck to get a lifeboat. It's going to be bloody cold even if we don't get on the lifeboat, if everything is sorted out. Right. 
But meanwhile, they hadn't called for any evacuation or anything. There was no emergency signals, as uh, we had learned from the video that we first saw when we first boarded in uh, Barcelona. Right. So um, we then went out on deck. We actually took our passports, you know, some credit cards. Good, smart. And... Uh, and um, and my camera, because I not to take photos on this situation, right, but of course it wouldn't really. But of course, all the all our memories of our honeymoon right. were were on it, and the different places we'd visited. So there I was, armed, thinking that it would be a you know perhaps to be a localized problem. But then the boat started going to one side, oh, and no. then going over to the other side, and getting worse and worse, about twenty five degree angle. So this is not normal. Something's a problem. And why have we stopped? A big cruise liner with a generator oh, problem man. doesn't stop. I don't believe that. I said, but I thought, hold on a minute, a generator is run, is run off probably the same motor it does a, you know, that gets the ship going. So, you know, something's amiss somewhere. When we got to the muster stations, as they call it, on, on deck, they didn't know what to do about head counts to get on the life rafts and that sort of thing, and it took ages to get on, about an hour or so, to get on to the actual lifeboats, you know, which are motorized, and goodness knows what, state-of-the-art. Right. But we were then now at a very um, acute angle. We were up in the air, as you've probably seen by the photos. The yeah. bit that's up in the air doesn't allow, gravity doesn't take over. It doesn't allow for the lifeboats to fall. Right. Um, in, into the water. And when we were 136 people were in our in our lifeboat, and nothing moved. Couldn't get it off. Everybody then had to get off gingerly. But meanwhile, the angle was certainly more than 70 degrees. Um, you know, the angle that you see in the photos now. Right. And the deck being painted a nice, I don't know, um, with a, a nice uh, polyester paint, was like an ice rink at that angle. Oh, it kept on falling on the inner wall. It, as it worsened, of course, it, it was impossible because we had to... We, we didn't know what was going to happen. If the boat sank and we were in this deck, which was co a covered deck apart from the access to the lifeboats and sort of uh, areas of, uh, you know, uh, viewing um, gaps... You know, we wouldn't stand a chance. So somebody found an elected. There was a, certainly the staff didn't know what to do. They couldn't improvise. They didn't know what to do. But somebody thought the idea, let's get a ladder and put it up through so we can actually go on the outside hull. Now, when hundreds of people uh, have to inch themselves along, as it were, over the windows of the dining room, which were the wall, effectively, they were sorting through, they, they were walking on, and then get up this ladder. And it's from a sort of how people manage. I don't know. I don't recall. It's one of those things you blot out in your life. Right. You can't recall how you actually get up that ladder. There was pushing, shoving. There were, you know, my new wife lost her shoes in the process, but carried on upwards. When people got out on the hull, as it were, and waiting for further things to happen, um, we saw lots of life. You know, the local um, lifeguards, whatever it is that they have um, around. Um, and we saw them with their boats. But um, we thought we'd be all right. You know, it was a tranquility that set over, which is interesting because everybody was uh, bestial, as it were, trying to get up that ladder. 
and uh, not allowing others to go before them. And so, therefore, there wasn't much uh, gentility. Uh, uh, men were pushing off women, goodness oh, knows what, you know, to get to, to, to you know to get up quicker. But once people were up, the I think it was the um, the authorities uh, got up a rope ladder right up to where we were, which is about five stories in height um, from where we had to get down to the sea level where they had their uh, safety rafts and small boats for us to get on. And gingerly, people had to get on their backsides and go forward on this rope and then turn around as the, you came under the bow of the uh, ship to then drop onto the uh, boats below which were transferred to another boat and then onto that small island. But um, that takes an interminable amount of time, unbelievable amount of time, because some people aren't agile, not used to ladders, not used to doing it this way, and any minor slip would have meant certain death. Yeah. So it's a, it was a miracle that nobody fell. It was wow. a, but, of course, everybody was gingerly going down, which, of course, is a slow process. Um, we were in the last hundred to actually get off the boat. When we got and transferred, you know, everything seemed okay. I know y'all were at the show when all this went down, but were you getting any reports as to what was going on in the dining room? The dining room was a crazy place, somebody told me. Um, it's a two-tier dining room with a central atrium in the middle. That means you're over, you know, there's a balcony area, and you're overlooking other diners. Um, when the angles, of course, went crazy... You know, crockery, cutlery, and goodness knows what went cascading and oh, yeah. injured quite a few people. Let me ask you, uh, uh, Ian, initially the sound that you heard, can you describe what, when you were in the auditorium watching the magic it was, show? Yeah, it was, it was like a crunch. I can imagine a large crunching sound. Um, I mean, I didn't know what that was, but it wasn't, it wasn't deafening, but there was a definite loud crunch. And it sounded, it, uh, hit, hit it, it sounded out of the ordinary. It was definitely uh, well, it's a house, it's sound we haven't heard yet. Yeah. Wow, that's really. I guess the question I got to ask you now, Ian, though, is: uh, Would you ever consider cruising again? Yes, I would. I suppose. You know, when you hear people get run over by crossing the road, doesn't mean you'll never cross the road again, what does it? But I do think, I mean, my thoughts are that the safety standards will have to increase. All right. Ian Donoff out of southwest London, a passenger aboard the Costa Concordia. God bless you. Glad you're okay. And thank you so much for making time for us to uh, share your experience. Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. We remember those lives who are lost. Our hearts go out to their friends and family and to those who are still missing. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. From the Cruise Radio Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. And this is Cruise Radio. Thanks for listening to Cruise Radio. For information on how your company can reach over 100,000 travel enthusiasts a week, email sales at cruiseradio.net. Find Cruise Radio on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just search Cruise Radio. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.